0: challenge us lord god your word is 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 truth and, and yet forgiving at the same time and so lord just god help us help us today to hear from you lord i thank you for my brother chris lord and i thank you god for what you have laid on his heart god to be able to share with us here today lord god you have used chris and in, in in so many different ways in so many different areas in so many different places lord God, he's just a faithful servant to you. He's obedient to your call on his life, Lord. And God, there are young people that are coming to know you because of Chris. There are so many others, Lord, at his workplace. God, there's just, God, he's living it out, and, and I am so thankful to 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 be to call on my brother, Lord, and to call on my friend. I just thank you, God, for what he's doing. And God, in the way that you you, the way that you're going to use him here today, speak through him, Lord. God, take, remove anything that is. That is uh, not of you, and, and may it all be about you here this morning, Lord. We love you, God. We thank you. We praise your name, and we want to worship you uh, with our listening. We love you in your name. Amen.
1: Well, good morning. You know, sometimes when Goose prays, I think there's no reason to even have a message. It's just, it's good it's good stuff. Thank you, my friend. And that last song, it struck me. So I tried to come up with a joke to share with y'all when we started today, but I'm not a very good joke teller. But as I shared with First Service, I'll share with you the wonderful evening I had with my wife last night. We had our uh, day late, Valentine's dinner, if you will. Friday fell apart, but last night we had the opportunity to go out to dinner. So it was really, it was, it was wonderful. Um, we talked about our oldest son, Andrew, and his job and all that's going on with him. And we talked about our niece, Jordan, and her baby shower and all that good stuff. And then it, it, if that wasn't romantic enough for you, we, uh, we also reviewed my sermon. So... Nothing says "I love you" like "Hey, honey, what do you think of this?" But uh, nonetheless, it, it, we're pretty low maintenance. We we just like to be together. We like to talk. We like to share. We like to eat. We like to serve. Um, sometimes watch movies. But um, I just I love being around her, and I'm blessed to have her. Uh, but today, today I. I I want you to think of the choices you've made in the past and the choices you might make in the future. See, first service, I was so glued to my sermon notes in fear that I might leave something out that um, sometimes what God was speaking to me throughout the week gets missed, that inspiration, if you will. Uh, that moment when you hear God speaking because you're you're praying or you're pondering or you're reading and, and those things start rolling into your mind. But I don't want you to leave today without making a choice. I don't want you to leave today without making a choice. So what does it mean to live? What does it mean to live life? You know, oftentimes we get we got pretty busy lives, don't we? I mean, I got all the free time in the world, but, you know, some of us have pretty busy lives, you know. Uh, But what does it really mean to live? Have you thought about it? I mean, in the midst of the busyness of life, have you really thought that in that moment you are living? You are a living, breathing creature? Uh, You know, a lot of us are searching for life. A lot of us are trying to find some sort of meaning in it, right? Or we're striving for something, or we're looking forward to something, or or what's the, what's the motto that the world uses? Oh, it's finally Friday. Or living for the weekend. Or, you know, and there's this five days of life that's constantly getting passed over in hopes for something that would happen over the weekend. And yet, in that struggle to find meaning for life, many find themselves very disappointed. And so what do they do? They wake up Monday morning committed to seek it out again. Some will work really hard to make a life for themselves. Spend a lot of hours at work, right? in hopes that the fruit of their labor will serve them in some way, whether um, if you're like me, there was a time when I I bought the truck that I thought was going to be the answer to all my prayers, right? Or maybe it's the toy hauler or the dirt bikes or the, oh, I can finally make my backyard look the way that I want it only to find out that the snow falls 18 inches on Thanksgiving and breaks all your trees, right? But yet we keep striving and pushing, and laboring for this life that sometimes we can't even put it into words. Some people in their idleness, they'll sit and they'll ponder the idea. If you go to Henry's Cafe at any given week from 6.30 to 7.30 to 8.30ish in the morning, you'll find people that'll sit there and talk life to death, right? They'll solve all the world's problems by just simply sipping over a cup of coffee and discussing all the problems of the world and how they might just be able to fix them maybe sometimes in that pondering we lean upon our government right if so and so will get voted in then everything will be right with the world it doesn't fix the human heart does it? it simply simply takes our gaze off of the the Lord himself and puts it on a human being and hopes that maybe they're gonna make that life better for me. Some will go on alternative means. Kids, they'll look for drugs. They'll look for alcohol. They'll look for sex. They'll look for material possessions, right? Gotta wear the shoes, gotta wear the clothes, gotta wear the hat, gotta have the girlfriend, the boyfriend, When you're 16, you got to drive the car. You laugh because it's true. See, John Wesley once said, and so it is the desire of the eye, the desire of the pleasures of the imagination. I'm going to strike a nerve. These arise either from great or beautiful or uncommon objects. If the two former do not coincide with the latter, For perhaps it would appear upon a diligent inquiry that neither grand nor beautiful objects please any longer than they are new. That when the novelty of them is over, the greatest part at least, of the pleasure that they give us is over. And in the same proportion as they become familiar, they become flat and insipid but let us experience this ever so often, the same desire will still remain. The inbred thirst continues fixed in the soul. Nay, the more, is it, the more that it is indulged, the more it increases and incites us to follow after another and yet another object, although we leave everyone with an abortive hope and a deluded expectation. What was he saying? See, if you're like me, what he's saying is that really nice, awesome 2006 Ford F-350 Lariat Edition leather, ding, bing, bing, bang, everything you ever wanted is going to get old, and about as soon as that newness wears off, your desire for the next truck is going to be there already. See, the TV does a very good job of doing that. He'll convince you, kids, that before you can even get a scuff on your new tennis shoes, the style has changed, and now all of a sudden, you need the next set of bands, right? It will happen. I see y'all every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. Y'all look at each other's feet as if it defines an individual. But we do that in search of life or the validity of life or at least the, the amount of life. We measure life by possession, by activity. And yet every time we attain what we think is going to serve to give us the life that we think we're searching for, it wears off and it is replaced with a new desire. And each and every time that desire is fulfilled with the new, we find ourselves left empty and searching. Lack of fulfillment, lack of pleasure, lack of joy, lack of happiness. And so we turn to the next thing. So Moses, you all know who Moses is. Moses is he who God chose to pull the people Out of slavery in Egypt Talked about him before right God called on him Go and set my people free And Moses goes And he does just that And he draws them out of Egypt And they're wandering through the desert I can only imagine right You're free from everything that you wanted to be free from And now you're wandering in the desert So you went from one loss to another loss, perhaps, right? If you're in your humanity and you're true to your flesh, sometimes we do that, right? We solve one problem only to initiate another problem in our life. But yet, what Moses was doing was he was drawing people from their slavery to the world unto a life that would be promised to them as was promised to their ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. See, they knew the stories. They knew that there was something to come and they found themselves wandering through the desert looking for it, perhaps. Getting frustrated in it, right? I'm hungry, here's some bread. Oh, the bread is everything. The answer to prayer, right? But then the bread gets old, and we want to kick the bread down the road and crumble it. I want meat. Well, what happens when the meat gets old? Then I want pasta. I don't know, fill in the blank. But we're always unsettled with those things that seem to settle our flesh for even a moment. Could you imagine being such a person? I don't have to imagine, I am. So the book of Deuteronomy is this account. See, our students have been referencing the, the Old Testament so much lately. They're like, Chris, well, I don't even understand these stories, let alone can even pronounce the names. Here's one for y'all. It's the fifth book in the Bible. It's called Deuteronomy. Okay, listen up. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses addresses the people from what we might call his deathbed. So if you can envision modern day, this is your grandfather or your grandmother sitting on your deathbed, and you go to pay your respects, and she gives you all the wisdom in the world that you could ever ask for. You think it's going to be some profound statement that is going to bring life into you, and it's going to set you on the path to freedom for the rest of eternity, right? And here's Moses, if you will, on his deathbed, giving the people the word of God. First, he starts with this. Let me remind you where you came from. Let me remind you what God did. Let me remind you of the Lord himself who brought you out of Egypt and take care lest you forget that. We've talked about that before, even of late. Because if we're not careful, those desires that Wesley was speaking of, those objects of desires that catch our eyes, catch our ears, catch our temptations, if you will, they will eclipse God's promises, God's words, and God's deliverance even as many times as he did it historically for you. And so after he gives that account, maybe there were some there that had experienced that slavery and so they could recall and and they could really understand what Moses was saying or maybe there were those that were born into this desert. They were born into this journey and they knew no difference. All they knew was desert. It's kind of like being born perhaps in Mojave. Right, It's a a wonderful place perhaps, but that's all you know is the desert, is the sand, is the Joshua trees. And so here this guy comes and tells you, this is where we used to be. This is what we used to be. This is what we were bound to, and God has set you free. And you're going free to this, right? And so he goes on to give God's word as it was given to him from God himself. The Ten Commandments and all that was contained therein. This is the way to live a godly life. If you're going to be God's people, if I'm going to save you from your slavery, this is what you are going to do. This is how you are going to live. This is how you will be and live into the identity as God's people and live that godly life. And he lays out the law all over again. And that's kind of where we get stumbled up sometimes when we read that, right? It's like virtually impossible, some 600 and something laws that he's going to lay out, and we're going to try to check all the boxes. But we try, right? In our labors, we try. Because we think that in some way, if we can check the boxes of obedience, that it is then and only then that we will find that life that we're searching for. And so he lays all that out for the people. And then he comes to where we will park here for just a moment. And he comes out and he says, I lay before you life and death. Which will you choose? See, that's the choice that we will make today. Some of you are like, well, Chris, I already made that choice. Well, probably so. But yet, if you live to wake a day again tomorrow, you will again be faced with that choice, life or death. In the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, verse 11, the word says this, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. So you're without excuse, right? Neither is it far off. So you don't have to go very far to find it. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we might hear of it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you can do it. Think of that in light of what St. John said in his word as he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. He goes on to say, see, I have set before you today life and death, good and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, And by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and to serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that I, excuse me, that you are going over the Jordan to enter and to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and the length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. I think it's interesting there that when he says that when you choose life, that you and your offspring may live. Sometimes I wonder, man, Chris, if you'd have just chosen life sooner in life. But there's no looking back. Tomorrow will come. The decision will, be have, will have to be made again. Push forward. See, Moses is speaking these words to these people as they sit at the threshold of what is the fulfillment of what they've been told, right? The, the land is, you can see it. Perhaps if the wind was blowing right, you can smell it, right? They had spent, Nearly 40 years wandering through the desert and there it is. It sits across this Jordan River all for the taking. This opportunity to indulge, if you will, in the promised land was but a choice away. That this covenant that Moses was speaking of could bring peace and joy and life or it could bring about cursing, despair and death. And yet, Moses says it's not too far away and it's not too hard to understand. And here it is choose to love the Lord with all you have, walk in his ways, keep his commands, and you shall live and the Lord will bless. Or you can turn away from the Lord and you can surely perish. What was it that Moses was proposing? Was he suggesting that by your pure and and just constant obedience would result in life? That if some way you could manage to check the 643 boxes, that that would earn you life? I don't think so. See, he said the word is very near you. It is in your heart. It is in your mouth that you might do it. It's very similar if not the same as what Jesus was offering to his disciples some 1,400 years later. The choice that was laid before them was life and death. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, Jesus says these words, beginning... On verse 24, in the 16th chapter, it says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself or herself, and take up his or her cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my name's sake will find it. Now, up until this point, the disciples had heard Jesus talk, They'd heard him teach. They had seen him work miracles. They had seen him perform all these healings, right? Here's this, this rabbi, this teacher, the, the, the person that they'd been following. And just prior to this, Jesus even called upon him as the Christ when he was asked who he was. So they knew who he was. And yet here is the Savior of the world stands before you. And what he's calling you to is to pick up your cross Daily. And so when you can think of what the cross means, right, we wear it around our neck, we put it on our shirts, we paint it on the side of our motorcycles, I don't know, fill in the blank, right, you see the cross everywhere, it's this representation of death, it's this representation of putting the flesh nailed to a cross, bleeding out and dying forever in your flesh. And Jesus is calling us to that? Not only that, but he's saying that if you would seek to find your life, you're just going to lose it. But if you surrender and lose your life, then you will find it. Therein lies the choice that Jesus offered. Was that any different than what Moses was offering? See it wasn't a sur- it was it was basically like a surrender to yourself and your own understanding and your own hard work and your own labors and your own everything or it was going the way that God was laying before you. It was to receive his mercy, it was to receive his grace. It was to live out the fulfillment of the life that he is calling you to. See Jesus doesn't just save us from something, he saves us for something. It's active. It's living. In fact, what Jesus says is that you don't just one and done get it handled. He says you pick that up daily. You die to yourself daily. And I think oftentimes the reason why he says that is because the same reason that Moses from his deathbed shared with them in the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy and that same presentation they gave to the people is that if you're not careful, you'll forget. You will forget. Forgive me. Kind of got ahead of myself there. But that's what will happen, right? The girl will bat her eyes at you. The commercial for that new truck that you wanted will will be shown. You'll watch the Super Bowl halftime show. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm trying to be as transparent as possible because it was in the sixth grade in my back best friend Chris Brueggemann's bedroom that I saw my first pornographic magazine. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Take care, students, lest you forget the blessing it is to grow up in a church that seeks to offer you life amidst a world that is constantly bombarding you with death. You may not see it now, but sometimes I would imagine, Goose, right? We feel like we're on our deathbed proposing life to these students that they might choose God instead of all these other things. See, even Paul himself referred back to this in the 10th chapter of Romans. You know, Paul was a lot like Moses. In and in the midst of sin, he was interrupted by the Lord. Here he was, the same one that he was despising, the same one that he sought to press and reject is the same one that interrupted his life and struck him blind and gave him the choice, serve me, right? Ironic, in the 10th chapter of Romans, it says this, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, for I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, Or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's getting to the heart of the matter. See, it's interesting, you know, when we're, when we're constantly striving to fulfill an expectation, we do it in vain. But when there's that deep desire to do as God has called you to do, there is a fulfillment like none other. Then suddenly your, 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 your ability to perform in such a manner that the world might be impressed is no more because your heart is then fulfilled With God. For it's the same power that brought the people out of Egypt. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power through the faith of Jesus the Lord that wouldn't just bring that person to a point of acknowledgement of the law. But what happens is, and what I believe was happening in that moment when Moses presented this to them, is that as they sought, as we do sometimes, or at least I can attest myself, in that moment of trying to fulfill each and every one of those 600 and something laws, I find that I just can't do it. But rather than surrendering to something less than that, I surrender to God himself. And in that surrender, what I find is my need. And in my need, I find the wanting for more, which draws me to repentance. What I'm doing no longer works. I can't physically, possibly, mentally do this on my own. I continue to fall short. I need you, God. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. When you choose God, when you choose his word, when you repent of the way that you have chased after the world and you turn to him and you seek to walk in obedience to what he's calling you to, you will not be put to shame. You will experience life. And just like Moses said and just like Paul said and much like Jesus said, I'm trying to share this with you today that today you have the opportunity to choose between life and death. That is what lies before you this day. Choose who you serve. You can die to self, you can die to sin. You can lose this life that is consumed with the world and you can come to Christ and you will find what you're looking for. I shared a story with first service of a a man who had everything that his heart could possibly desire on this earth. And then just to rub it in a little tighter, I asked him how much money he made last year because he came to me looking for a job. And the reason he was looking for a job is because everything that he was doing in the current job that he's in, as much money as he was making, as much fulfillment as he was finding, if you would, by the buying of the truck and the trailer and the toys and fill in the blank, he just wasn't satisfied. And God had placed a a sense of just discontentment within him that he just yearned for his family. I want to go home, Chris. I want to go home and be with my family. He came to the realization that everything that he had been working for only brought him to another place of wanting. Everything that he had bought, everything that he had done, everything that he had grabbed onto and chasing after making dollar after dollar after dollar wasn't filling the void of his needs and his wants that would bring his heart to a sense of fulfillment where he could actually live. And here he was wanting to lose the life that he was in in hopes for a life that he could experience. All that God has to offer. I had a picture that uh, I wanted to show y'all and you you knew it was coming because Chris just does this to you every time. There it is. You know, you always want to say something really profound about the picture, but you really don't need to. I think the picture says it for itself. And ironically, the difference is clear. What drives a man or a woman to partake in the glass on the left when God offers the glass on the right? See, when I found that picture, I, I, I barely gave it to Rob on Friday afternoon maybe and said, hey, I, I think I may want to show this to everyone because that's what we need sometimes, right? We need something that we can see, that we can touch, that we can smell, that we can feel, that we can experience before we're convinced that what God says is really true because that faith factor, right, is a little bit of a challenge. You're telling me I got to uh, take on this without knowing for sure yet? It's a hard place to be. But I want to encourage you today that this is what is being offered today, life versus death. See, that's why I run. Before I ran, you could take the... Uh, granted, I'm, I'm, I'm owning this for my own conviction, so please hear me. But... <laughs> I think of the child before I ran not having that water on the right-hand side and feeling like that cup on the left was all that they had. And yet Moses and Paul and Jesus himself brings forth this other glass and makes the offer, choose life or choose death. And I run in hopes that those children have an opportunity to to choose between life and death. But until you come to the point where you really see your need, you won't understand. Until you come and fall flat on your face in your need for God in your life, you will not understand this. And you will continue to choose death while not even realizing it. That's what Moses was trying to say. He looked forward to a future. He wasn't looking at just those that were before him, but he was looking at the generations to come. He was holding on to the promises that God had placed in the heart of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and maybe your grandparents or your great-grandparents. It's the promise, kids, that we try to give you an understanding of that you might choose Life. See, you guys are Goose's Marathon. Your future is what he's dying for. Just like my miles on the road is the life for these kids that I'm dying for. Please. Tomorrow's never promised. Every day you must choose. You will carry the cross and put the world and its desires and your flesh to death. Or you can have the world. And you can die to that same law that will convict you to eternal absence from the Lord Himself. That's the choice you have to make today. I I don't know if there's anybody in this room, you know, oftentimes you come to church and you assume that everybody surrendered their life to the Lord and perhaps so, but I would be doing an injustice to the gospel as Jesus has presented it to not give you that opportunity this morning. Maybe you've convinced yourself that you do pick up your cross. I don't know. That's what Rob was talking about last week when he talks about integrity. The only thing that's integrity in your walk is between you and God. Nobody else knows what you do behind closed doors. Nobody else knows what's going on in your heart. Nobody else knows about the decisions that you're making that maybe don't affect anybody else, but they're killing you inside. Nobody knows that. It is you walking in the integrity of of, of walking with Christ and God himself that will know whether or not you today or any other day have ever truly made that decision to follow Jesus this day. If you want to pick up your cross and follow him, you must lose your life this morning. At 11.55 this morning on February 16th, you must put your life down and pick his up. That's the choice that you have today. And that choice, should God decide to wake you tomorrow, it'll be the choice you make then. But I wanna tell you something, the same as what Moses told the people of Israel, the same as what Paul told the people of his day, it's the same thing that Jesus was telling his disciples, is that you have to make this choice daily. Every single day, you have to choose Christ. Lest you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of fill in the blank. So if you'd like to come up and surrender your life this morning at one of these altars, by all means, and I'm not gonna stop you. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe it would be awkward to come up here and, Get down on your knees. I know it was awkward for me until I figured out what is it that I'm really afraid of. If not this morning, then when? So I'm going to pray for you all. And if it's not this morning, but yet something's happening, because we you know we have a baptism coming up. Sometimes in the baptism we like to talk about what God is doing in our heart, what he's doing in our life. Maybe sometimes we like to recommit ourselves. But if not this morning, but something's going on, I want to encourage you this morning. Find Pastor Rob. Find Pastor Goose. Find anyone in here. We're all walking together, aren't we? There's nothing special in the words that I would share with you if you wanted to give your life this morning. There is no other word. We're all preaching the same message. We're all the priesthood of believers, if you will, right? It's the same thing. There's no difference from my wife Tiffany speaking to you this morning or myself. We're a team, we are the body of Christ, and we're on the hunt for lost souls.